Hello and welcome to a very, very late episode of True Crime 365. I'm recording this the day after I'm supposed to upload, which means I am super on top of things. I have been in bed for the last week, sick with the flu, because it's winter in Australia and I didn't get a flu shot. But (laughs) I am here today to do a couple of murders, but this particular episode is going to be about a very, very strange woman from my home country. Her name is Catherine Mary Knight, and uh, she's been covered by a case file and also some girls called The Real Lady Killers on YouTube, who I absolutely adore. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, It's a bit messed up and please excuse uh, the breaks if I start coughing or sneezing or something along those lines because I'm still actually getting over my sickness. So without further ado, let's get into Catherine Mary Knight. So, just a trigger warning, there is a mention of domestic violence, animal slaughter, and mentions of rape. And also murder, because this is a true crime podcast. Alright, I will be reading from my article that I wrote on truecrime365.com, which is where I post all of my articles before they turn into podcasts. Um, And so, I'm going through all of my old articles to record them to bring them into this new medium of journalism which I'm very excited about um so yes please bear with me as we get through these uh, first articles and all right so on March 1 2000 at 9am uh, at 84 St Andrew Street Aberdeen New South Wales Australia police enter the home of 44 uh, year old John Pricey Price at the call of worried friends and co-workers after he didn't show up to work that day um, so this, the police officers entered through like the back door cause the front door was all, um, locked up and they come through the back and they see like this curtain hanging between, um, the back corridor and like the kitchen. And so one of the police officers like puts his hand, um, and moves the curtain and he sees like blood running down his hand and he thinks, wait a minute, I didn't cut myself coming into, into this house. Um, and the, he, very quickly figure out that it's a the pelt which is like the skin of a human being hanging on a meat hook um and there's a really horrendous scene in the kitchen so they go through the curtain slash skin and they see there's a dead like an outline of a body um, in the lounge room, they head into the kitchen and there's like a table set. There's like placards with like names on it. Um, and there's vegetables, you know, there's like pumpkin, potato, beetroot, all this sort of stuff. And like a steak and they're, uh, placed on these, you know, really nice setup on this table. And there's like a pot on the stove. And one of the cops says to the other one, I'll give you two guesses where the head is. And so they open up this, the, the pot and it still had vegetables in it. It was still warm and it had a human head. They, uh, they keep searching the house and they find that the de facto wife of, uh, of John Pricey Price, uh, Catherine Mary Knight is unconscious and unresponsive in their bed and uh, blister packets in the bedroom revealed that she'd try to overdose on painkillers. 
So a little bit about Catherine. Um, She's a really, really wonderful woman, uh, I say with very heavy sarcasm. Um, She was born on October 24, 1955. She was a fraternal twin, so she had a fraternal twin sister, and she was born into a really dysfunctional family. So her mother, Barbara, had left her ex-husband to be with this guy, Ken Knight, and Ken Knight was very abusive. He was very violent and alcoholic. Um, and he used fear and, and intimidation to rule the family. And he used that violence to, uh, rape Barbara up to 10 times a day. Barbara openly expressed her hatred of sex and men to her children. Um, but when Catherine approached her in like her teenage years, complaining that a partner wanted to do something sexual, she wasn't that comfortable with, um, her mother was like, just put up with it and stop complaining, which I think is great advice. Um, (laughs) But Catherine was also frequently sexually abused by members of her family throughout her childhood. And that was confirmed by other family members. Um, She was only close with like her twin sister and her uncle Oscar in her family. Um, But Oscar committed suicide in 1969. Catherine was absolutely devastated and the family decided that they were going to pick up shop and head over to Aberdeen in New South Wales. And she attended Musselbrook High School where she exhibited intense rages to minor upsets. She assaulted students and teachers, but by contrast, she was a model student when her rages subsided. So there's a bit of a uh, bit of, you know, split personality stuff going on here. She left school at 15 and she did not learn how to read and write by then. Um, and she took up a job at a clothing company, just sewing stuff uh, before securing what she would refer to as her dream job at the local abattoir, which is a slaughterhouse. So someone whose dream job is at the slaughterhouse, it's, there's your red flags right there. Uh, she began as a general labourer, which means she was, like, cleaning up blood and flesh from the floors, um, you know, just mopping up stuff and all the debris from the carcasses. Uh, but she was soon promoted to a cutter and then uh, promoted once again to boning, which sounds very dirty, but it's pretty much when you uh, are taking the meat off the bones. Um, and she was gifted a set of butcher's knives by the abattoir when she got this promotion and she proudly hung them above her bed uh, so that they, quote, would always be handy if I needed them. So in 1974, she marries a heavy drinking co-worker named David Kellett and the marriage was low-key, celebrated at like the registry office and then to a local pub with friends. Um, so, you know, this, I think it's a pretty good wedding. Um, she... <sighs> She kind of showed that she wasn't the best wife pretty early on. Um, the night of their marriage, they night of their night of their wedding, I should say, um, they went back home and they had sex three times, which, according to Catherine, wasn't enough. So when he fell asleep, she strangled him, and he woke up with her hands around his uh, around his neck, which you know, it's always a great way to start a marriage. I think, I don't know if they were going to put that in Cosmo, but it's definitely, you know, it's up there. Um, so it was pretty, it was yeah, pretty turbulent from the beginning. And it appeared that everyone kind of knew something was up with Catherine, including her mother. David Kellett was, uh, quoted as saying, so quote, the old girl said to me to watch out. You better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't ever think of playing up on her or she'll fucking kill you. And that was her mother talking. She's told me she's got something loose. She's got a screw loose somewhere, end quote. 
that's very Australian thing to say. Uh, don't ever think of playing up and or she'll fucking kill you. But I think she was a bit more, um, a bit more serious than most people are. Uh, but you know, everything can be fixed with bringing a child into the world. Uh, but not before a heavily pregnant Catherine burnt all of David's clothes before hitting him across the head with a frying pan. Uh, this was due to the fact that David had arrived home later than expected from a darts tournament because his team made the finals. In May 1976, Catherine gave birth to their first child, Melissa Ann. However, surprisingly, um, a baby could not save this marriage and David left Aberdeen for Queensland and set up with another woman. He was tired of Catherine's possessive, violent behaviour and wanted out. This drove Catherine into a frenzy. She was seen walking down the main street of Aberdeen with her daughter in a pram, violently swinging the pram from side to side. She was admitted to St Elmo's Hospital and diagnosed with postnatal depression. That's it. After her release from St Elmo's, she took the two-month-old Melissa down to the railway line and placed her on the train tracks. She left the baby there apparently minutes before a uh, train was due to pass. And a local man called Old Ted, who was like um, the kind of guy who would go around scavenging for like old rubbish and like, um, you know, scrap metal and stuff to sell. He was along the train line and he found the baby, rescued her just before the train came. Uh, meanwhile, Catherine had stolen an axe, walked into town and was threatened to kill people. She was then arrested and taken to St. Elmo's Hospital again. However, she signed herself out the next day. And was given her baby back. So this woman has a record and a half. If I detailed every aspect of Catherine's fucked up life, we'd be here all day and we would never get back to John Price and his decapitated body. Um, if you want the full, like, you know, deep stories, um, check out Case File Podcast. They do a really good one um, on episode 12. Or also Murderpedia article is good. Uh, the Real Lady Killers, you know they're going to go into more detail. Um, so here's some of the fun stuff that happened between 1976 and 1990 regarding the lovely Miss Catherine Mary Knight. Slashed the cheek of a neighbour and told her to drive to where David Keller and his mother lived in Queensland so she could kill him. Uh, that woman escaped. Uh, 1976 threatened to kill the mechanic that fixed David's car because he allowed him to leave. 1976 got back with David. Uh, which is a great idea. Uh, 6th of March, 1980, they had another daughter. Her name was Natasha Marie, 1984. She left David, which is strange because it was all going so well. Moved in with her parents and then rented a home near Musselburgh. 1984, returned to work at the abattoir. 1985, injured her back, goes into disability pension. 1986, meets 38-year-old David Saunders. May 19, uh, 1987, Catherine slits the throat of David Saunders' two-month-old dingo puppy because she wanted to warn him what would happen if he ever had an affair on her. He had not yet had an affair. Um, June 1988, daughter number three, Sarah, arrives. 1989, Catherine pays off the house her and David Saunders put a uh, deposit on with her compensation money from the abattoir. She decorates the house with animal skins, skulls, horns, rusty animal traps, leather jackets, old boots, machetes, rakes, and pitchforks, which I think is a beautiful decor. Um, and the house was effectively hers because she paid it off. 1989, an argument ends in Catherine branding Saunders' face with a hot iron and stabbing him with scissors. Saunders later buggers off and goes into hiding. 
1990. Catherine is pregnant again, but this time by John Chillingworth, a co-worker from the abattoir. The following year, baby Eric is born. Within three years, Catherine leaves Chillingworth for someone she'd been having an affair with for some time, our good friend, John Pricey Price. Shit, meat fan. Uh, so, in 1995... Well aware of Catherine's reputation and taste for violence, John Price still believed that Catherine was the one for him. You know, he's a hopeless romantic. He had divorced in 1988 but had an excellent relationship with his ex-wife, Colleen, and his youngest daughter lived with his ex-wife, but the two older children remained with him. Uh, John worked at the local mines and was pretty well off. In 1995, saw Catherine move into his home, but the fact that John uh, wouldn't marry her was a really point, like really big point of conflict for them. Um, he wanted his kids to get all of his assets when he died and he didn't want Catherine to have any rights to his property. So he continued to refuse to marry her, which is fair enough. Um, in 1998, uh, saw another outbreak of Kath- of Price's refusal to marry Catherine and she retaliated this time by videotaping uh, items in his home that he'd taken from the rubbish tip at his mine, at the mines that he worked at um, and sending them to his bosses. So these were things like um, out-of-date first aid kits, you know, stuff like that, but you still can't technically take it from the rubbish. Um, so Bryce Price was uh, fired from the job he'd held for 17 years and understandably he threw Catherine out. Um, she returned to her own home whilst the town found out what she did and a few months later, however, Price allowed her to return and they resumed the relationship uh, where they left off but this time with more fighting. In February 2000, a series of assaults on Price uh, uh, ended up in Catherine stabbing him in the chest. He did not seek medical treatment, but he did kick her out of the house once again. So, uh, 29th of February... Price stops by the courthouse on the way to work to get a restraining order taken out on Catherine. He tells his co-workers if he doesn't make it to work the next day, she's killed him. Uh, John Price spent the evening at a neighbour's house before returning at 11pm and going to sleep. Catherine Knight arrived at Price's house later that evening. She came into the house whilst Price was sleeping, watching TV for a bit. Uh, she then had a shower. They woke. She woke Price and then they had sex. What happened next uh, still is very traumatizing for investigators. So, March 1, 2009am. Police and autopsy find that Catherine Mary Knight had stabbed her de facto husband, John Price, 37 times with a butcher's knife. It appears he woke during the attack and attempted to escape, making it to the front door before either passing out from blood loss or being dragged back inside by Catherine. Um... Catherine had dragged him into the lounge room where she carefully skinned his body with the precision of the expert meat cutter that she was. The pelt was in one piece and left hanging in the meat hook in the doorway. She then removed Price's head with the same uh, precision. She cut off his buttocks, sliced them into steaks, and then cooked them in the oven. She set up two meals, each with a note with his two oldest children's uh, names on them. Catherine intended the meals for them when they returned home. The third meal was thrown into the back lawn. It's still unclear why. Some people speculate that she attempted to eat it uh, herself, but she couldn't go through with it. Um, it's yeah, still still unsure what really happened. Uh, 
So on November 9, 2000, Catherine Mary Knight becomes the first woman in Australian history to be sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. She's currently serving her time at Silverwater Correctional Women's Correctional Facility. Uh, she is 62 years old. The most recent photo of Catherine Knight, it's really bad. Um, so recently in Australian courts, we've been having problems, or not problems, we've been having trials in regards to... Uh, sex crimes in the Catholic Church. The latest photo of Catherine Knight is actually her posing in the prison with Cardinal George Pell, who is on trial here in Australia. So that is the story of Catherine Mary Knight and her absolutely wonderful relationships, clearly. Some other stuff that came out um, the night before she actually killed him, she stood at the end of his bed, like with her hands behind her back, and John Price was like, oh shit, she's got a knife. She didn't have a knife. So I think that kind of like um, let his guard down a bit. Like, oh no, no, she wouldn't, she wouldn't hurt me. Um, but it's a really crazy story. She's known in Australia as uh, our Hannah Lecter. She's, you know, Cannibal Cathy. She's, it's this crazy story. Um, Crimes That Shook Australia did a really good documentary on it. She's, if you're interested in it, it's just this crazy story in Australia that actually not that many people know about. So thank you for listening to this really short uh, podcast. This is... Um, the second technical episode of True Crime 365. Um, the next one hopefully will be up the same day as this one due to the fact that I'm so behind and everything, but I'll make up for it. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Please uh, follow the blog on truecrime365.com and check out our Instagram, truecrime365. And yeah, thank you so much. Until next time, keep your wits.